Welcome back, and this is episode 18 of Ty's Daily Commute and Video Game Podcast. And uh, it's October, let's see, 9th, 2012. Okay, so this weekend was a long weekend for me. As you can see, there's no Monday podcast because I had Monday off. Um, have a drink here. Have some water. All right. So, I got a lot of things done this weekend. Um, I know a lot of you guys, if you listen to the earlier podcasts, um, I've been kind of uh, at a loss as to what to do in my basement. Um, this weekend, I, I really got a lot of things done, and it um, seems to have made a lot of difference to me, at least. Uh, so, uh, first I'm going to start off with the smell. Um, you know, I put out uh, uh, rat poison to kill any mice that might be coming in the house. And, uh, you know, when I first put it out, this, uh, you know, as soon as it started getting cold, that's when they start to come in the house. And uh, uh, I started getting, uh, right within a day or two, I started getting a bunch of baby mice. Like, I got three, and then I found another one underneath the uh, shop back, um, which might not have been a baby, I'm not sure. But I never found the mother. And, uh, but I, the other day, I started to smell something. And just the smell is just pretty strong. And, uh, you know, it just smells like a... It smells like a gin shoe is what it smells like. And I think it's because the decon mixes with the dead animal and just makes this weird gin shoe smell. I don't know what to say. But um, uh, I started looking around on Friday night, I think it was. And I didn't have any luck. But then Saturday morning, I went to the basement and I started pulling a bunch of stuff out, like in the corner by my... Uh, uh, kind of where I don't have any games. Um, it's the opposite end of my basement where, like, I have my, my fuel tank and uh, my uh, fuse, not fuse box, but my breaker box, my furnace, my water tank, and my water softener, and my water heater. They're all in that one area. And uh, um, so I started pulling some things out, and I had a bunch of bins with, like, uh, some clothes in them and some old, uh, you know, just some, like, I had a bunch of extra consoles, because as I said before, I've got a, I got like a bunch of NESs and stuff like that, and I put them in bins, and I'd stack them up over in the corner with the baby clothes and other things that are in like, you know, just like, you know, plastic bins, rubber-made containers, whatever you want to call them, and uh, these are actually sterite ones, but, uh, and there was one sitting on the top that had a bunch of lids in it, and uh, it was right by my breaker box, like right in front of it, and, uh, and that's where the smell is pretty strong, and I pulled that bin out. I look down in there, and there's the dead mouse just sitting there. In the in the he'd fallen inside the bin. Um, you know, obviously, it was poisoned, but um, he was just in there, dead. And so I took him out, got rid of him, and and I was like, oh, I can still kind of smell something. So I started looking around a little bit more, and I found up in the just right in that same area, a little bit further towards the corner, there's another one that was dead with his head hanging off the edge of the sill. And so that's it. I got them all, I think. And I figured out where they were coming in as well. Um, you know, as I said, that's where all my... Everything comes into the house. The fuel, heat, and all these other things. And at first I thought they were coming in through, through the fuel heat uh, uh, pipe holes in the, in the foundation sill. I mean, the, in the house sill. And uh, I uh, was looking at them, and it's such a small crack. I mean, we're talking like like two millimeters at most and on the outside of the house I'd filled it with spray foam 
But then I looked over at the spot where my electrical comes into the house, and while I filled that with that, uh, it's like this kind of putty stuff, um, it had moved or something, and it had it was still exposed on the bottom part, and I could actually see light coming through the, the hole where all the pipe, all the wires are coming through. And I looked, and it was a pretty significant, you know, like, while it's marked, you know, like I have this stuff on the outside of the house, it's, it's really where the, um, the vinyl is on the house, you know, so the mouse just has to go up behind the vinyl, which can easily do, and go right into the house. So I stuck, I got a bunch of spray foam, and I stuck that up in there, and I filled those holes all with spray foam. And got that all filled in um, and then I went over to my basement door and uh, there's a, there's like a bunch of little cracks and stuff like that you know like we're talking like you know minuscule little cracks that um, I had filled some of them before um, you know with that spray foam but you gotta be careful because there's like different kinds of spray foam and one of them will actually expand and cause like bowing and I, I didn't realize that when I did it when I first got the house I had sprayed in the cracks and it made it so I couldn't open the door because it, it had expanded so much. So I had to go in there with, like, with a razor blade and cut it out, like a box knife, and cut a lot of it out. Well, I picked up this weekend, I picked up some of that, uh, essentially the same stuff, but it does not expand as much. Like, it doesn't exert as much force. I mean, it still expands to fill the crack, but it's different in the way it expands. So I sprayed that all in there. I got it in every single spot I could get it in. And that's in there pretty good. And the only thing is, is like the seal to the door isn't that great either. So, and I'm not worried about mice getting in. It's mainly just to keep the drafts out in the wintertime um, and to uh, kind of keep spiders out because I don't like spiders. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, you know, like the, the actual door seal um, doesn't really do as good of a job as it should. Um, so I'm going to seal that off a little bit better. And uh, the other thing I'm going to take is that there's like a built Vilco door above that, and I'm going to see if I can seal that up a little bit better, too, so that it's a little bit warmer in the wintertime. Um, but I want to make it, like, in previous winters, what I had done is I used that plastic, and I actually sealed off the door with plastic in the winter, and it didn't really make a huge difference in terms of heating, and it also made me really anxious, like, if there were a fire in the house, um, how, would they, how would we get out of the house? I mean, I could probably grab the handle and just yank the door open but I know my wife and kids couldn't so I, I don't feel like I don't I feel really uh, uncomfortable with barricading that door with uh, essentially I had a piece of I put a piece of uh, wood furring all around the whole door frame area and then stapled the plastic to that but I also had to put it along this, the bottom of the door because um, you can't you know you have to be able to staple the bottom you have to be able to attach it at the bottom too and that of course keeps the door from opening so yeah, I, I, I don't feel uh, comfortable with having that on there anymore. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, one of the things I'm doing. Uh, but anyway, so I got the, you know, that part is done. And then I went through and I did a lot of cleaning in the basement. Um, you know, just mostly I, I was vacuuming because just vacuum up all the spiders. I don't know, you know, it's just there's so many. They just come in the house like crazy this time of year. And I vacuumed them up and cleaned things up. Um, I rearranged the games too, and actually it came out really good. Um, I might change things a little bit, I don't know, but the main thing I did is I took the prop cycle, which while one of my favorite games is like the bane of, of arranging things, because uh, it's so big, 
and I moved it over to where, like I had said, where I, um, you know, cleaned, where I filled in the, the areas where the mice were coming in and got the dead mice out. Um, I moved those bins out of that area to another spot, and I put the prop cycle over by the oil tank. And uh, it actually looks pretty good over there. It's nice. It actually works out really well. Um, and since it's on, you know, it's on really big, it's on nice casters, if I need to get to anything behind it, well, actually, I can walk behind the, the prop cycle and I can get to the fuse box. But, like, if I need to change the filter for the, the house, the water filter, um, that's locked. But I just got I just grab the handles on the back of the prop cycle and wheel it back, you know, a couple feet, and I can get in there and change it. So it's not a big deal. Um, so that worked out really well. Actually, I'm so surprised how good it worked out because it doesn't really block anything. It's out of the way. Um, I can still use it. Um, it's, you know, I've got it all hooked up so I can even watch TV on this, on the projection screen that's in it. Um, so that worked out really well. And then from there, um, where I had had the prop cycle, which was horrible where I had it most recently, because it essentially just kept me from doing anything, I moved my uh, Star Trek pinball and the Quicksilver pinball in that spot. And, you know, they stick out quite a bit too, but it looks pretty good there. And I kind of moved around the, I moved the red tent over, because now I have more room, kind of put it over by my bookshelf and, and put the, um, my other cocktail table kind of on the corner where I had the, well, you guys don't even know what I had things, but I, I rearranged everything and it came out really good. Um, and, uh, you know, just the arrangement of things. And then a few other things I did is I actually went and I got um, these floodlight holders. Uh, I'm going to have another drink here. And uh, these are really inexpensive. They're for like their exterior flood lamps, uh, flood, floodlight holders. And essentially, it's just a simple little, um, holds a light bulb. Um, it's like a metal, you know, it's like a metal, a cast metal form. And it's got like a pipe fitting on the other end with a uh, adjustable angle. What, I'm not describing this a little well at all. Just think of it, it's just a light bulb holder that, that you can, has a little arm on it, you can adjust it, and it threads into a plate that goes into a standard um, electrical uh, electrical uh, box, what do you call it, junction box. And uh, so for, let's see, it was $3 for the light holder, a dollar for the um, threaded um, plate that fits onto a junction box, and like a dollar for the junction box, I got those those just regular blue plastic junction boxes that have the two nails built right into them, and I just put them up into the, uh, I just put the junction box right up to the uh, floor floor joists in the basement, you know, the ceiling. Um, they're called floor joists because they're for the first floor, and uh, just nailed them up there, and have them so that they point at an angle towards the wall. And first, I got two of them, and I pointed them towards my bookshelves, and. Uh, you're probably wondering why I'm pointing my lights at the wall and the main reason is because if you've got like arcade games and like you know presently I have uh, you know like either just regular you know those simple basement lights the ones that have uh, you know, just the light bulb hanging down if you have any kind of lighting in your basement um, unless it's like recessed um, like fluorescent lights or those uh, square grills that kind of like pipe the lights only straight down um, uh, there, it's going to you know seat on your screens of your games, 
and it's going to be really annoying when you see a light bulb in the middle of your screen because it's reflecting off your screen. Um, and so, you know, the thing I would do is turn the lights off, and it's like dark, and it just ends up seeming like a cave. You know, it's really disturbingly just it's just uninviting. I mean, it's not like it's like horrible, but you know, it just it's just like a really dark basement, and that that's really not fun to be in a dark basement. So by taking these lights and I point them at the walls, um, you know, they're not pointing directly at the games. And I put these, I just put these uh, 65 watt uh, floodlight bulbs in there. Um, I got them at like Walmart. They're like uh, for three pack, like six bucks. But they, there's even cheaper like Chinese ones that are, I mean, I'm sure the Walmart ones are Chinese too, but they're even cheaper ones that are like $3. But I got the ones that are, got the Walmart ones just so that, because they have like a, uh, a metallic reflective um, paint that's or whatever you want to call it coating that's on the um, back side of the bulb so that reflects light forward and I want that light going the other way but if I like bought like a GE one it's going to cost like six dollars a bulb so I got these bulbs and <laughs> it works great it lights up my bookshelf so I can see what's on the bookshelf and then I took I had another I had this light from when I was a kid um, it's like a Hollywood uh, uh, filming lamp, kind of looks like those ones that have those shutters on them. And, uh, you know, it's just a stupid kid thing I had when I was a kid. But I actually had taken the, the lamp holder and I had mounted it in the ceiling in my basement, kind of like over my workbench, because it worked well for letting my workbench. But um, by now, I had already had a bunch more lights over my work area, and so I hardly ever used that lamp. So what I did is I moved that over to the other corner of my basement, kind of like where the space, I got my space invaders and stuff, and I put one of those floodlights in that and had that kind of pointing towards the wall as well. And it's got those shutters on it, so you can actually um, kind of direct the light better. So that works good in the corner. And uh, I actually went and bought three more of those lamps. I bought all the ones that the hardware store had, and I'm gonna put those three more in, because really what it does, makes the uh, it makes the basement seem larger better lit but it doesn't light the games up um, so that the, you can still um, see the screens it looks good um, you know you know my basement is just concrete walls concrete floor but um, it all kind of comes off looking a lot better than it did before when it was just you know uh, just it, it just looks so much better things are arranged better um, I took most of the rugs out. All I have is the two orange rugs that kind of look, they look like almost the same color as a Donkey Kong Jr. And uh, I put those back down. I kind of like those rugs. Just add some color to the room. If I need to get them up, I can just roll them up real quickly. They're nice and light. I kind of wished I got those last year or a year before that, um, like when uh, school started. Um, you know, Walmart had them, and they were really cheap. They're like eight bucks, a, eight or nine bucks a rug. I only got two of them. I wish I'd gotten like four of them. Um, yeah, because I got these other rugs that are just like gray and stuff. And I don't know. I might put another one down just kind of because it keeps the dust down. Because my my basement floor is um, still dusty. You know, it's concrete, and I would like to seal it at some point. But I just don't see that happen anytime soon. Um, yeah. So everything is arranged really nicely down there now. At least much better than it was before. Um, I didn't get to do any kind of work on the games. Um, like, I didn't even put the uh, 
the high score safe kid in the junior yet. But I'll, I'll get to that probably this week. Ugh. Excuse me. That's an altitude change, yawn. Popping out my ears. Alright, so, uh, yeah. What else did I do? Um, oh, I got a new filter for my shop vac, and boy, what a difference that makes. Actually, had been using the same filter in that thing since I'd gotten it, which has been, you know, quite a few years now. Um, the funny thing was is that, I think I had mentioned in the previous podcast how they put these uh, fuses that are like kind of made to fail in them, um, so that you have to buy a whole new shop back every so often. Um, and uh, so what happened was, um, so I'm just like vacuuming it. It just was like not, it had like no power. So when I bought the $10 filter, which just kills me that a filter costs $10 for a shop vac that I think I spent 30 bucks for or whatever it was at the time. Um, so, but I bought the filter, I put it in, and that thing, it's so much better. It sucks much better than it did, you know, it was sucking. Um, so that that's great, because now I can actually vacuum better. Oh, oh, here's the other thing I did. So, you know, I got rid of all the smells in the basement so you know it just smells like I would you know my basement doesn't stink like a damp dirty basement or anything like that I mean except for having the dead mouse in there um because I have dehumidifier that runs in the basement so it doesn't smell <coughs> it doesn't smell like a you know that old damp basement smell um it's nice and dry but it still has that kind of dusty smell because you get all that uh, concrete down there and concrete dust and stuff and uh um, you know, my vacuum, there's so dirty, the filter in it, that it was, you know, when you vacuum, you just kind of just spread the smell of concrete dust all around. Um, so with the new filter, I was able to suck things up a little bit better, clean things up. And then, um, the other thing I did is I bought some air fresheners and I'm, I'm not a big air, uh, air freshener kind of guy. Like I'm not, I'm kind of like just the fresh, just like, just like regular, you know, my fresh air. I like just fresh air, but, um. You know, so I just picked up a couple um, air freshers and I put them in the basement. You know, just those 99 cent ones. And uh, I got like two, like, kind of like, I got like a Thanksgiving scent one, a Christmas scent one, and then I got one that was peach scented. And uh, that that was, um, they're not anywhere, they're not like right next to each other, but it kind of adds this, you just, you go in there, it's like pleasant. It's not, it doesn't smell like a, it doesn't smell unpleasant. It didn't smell unpleasant before, except for, yeah, as I said before, with the dead mice. But what a difference it makes! It makes such a difference. Um, you know, because you get the smell of, because the games still kind of smell a little bit. You know, you got these old games from the '80s. Of course, they're gonna stink. You know, like kind of old wood. You know, so it kind of it just nulls that wood smell. So I got those, like, I got two of those uh, Renews It cone kind of things. Um, and then I got one of those, uh, like, Glade-scented oil plug-in warmer ones. And uh, put that in. The funny thing is that when I went to put it in, I was like, uh, uh, the outlet that was available to use it was horizontally done. Because I had, like, this one, I have this one area where I've got, like, eight outlets on the wall. And, uh... I was like, oh, because it's got this little oil tank, like a little oil bottle 
I was like, oh, that's not going to work. And then I look at it, and I can see that I can rotate the the prongs. And so I just rotated and plugged in. It worked out great. And, yeah, the basement smells great. So, uh, yeah, if you got a, you know, if you got a basement and you want to kind of have it smell better, I mean, like, that's they worked out really good. It's not something I normally do in, like, my upstairs of my house. But in the, uh, wow, in the basement, it really makes such a difference. I also picked up another one. I'm going to put it in my office. Because um, my office smells like, uh, it just smells like old, um, dusty carpets. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, you just, that's the thing that, that I can't still stand. It's the smell of dust. You just that old kind of dusty smell. I'm not talking about, um, you know, super strong, you know, dirt, dirt, smelly cat, you know, litter box or something like that. I mean, I'm so glad I don't have a cat because they stink. Uh, you know, or even a dog, dog smell. You know, it depends on the dog. You know, some dogs smell more than others. Like, I had those Manchester Terrors, and they're really good dogs. And they had such short, their coats were like eyelashes. And, uh, you know, they didn't really smell. They didn't smell much at all. I mean, you know, of course, you're going to smell a little bit like a dog. But it's so funny because once I had these dogs with their, their super short coats, um, you know, I go anywhere else where someone's got a dog. They got like a Labrador or some other kind of long-coated dog, and it's like, oh, it smells like dog. And it's like, man, that kills you. You smell that dog smell, and it's like, it's like, what? What's the deal with that? You know, like, why does the dog smell so much? You know, I mean, you can wash that. You have to give that dog a bath every other day to keep that dog from smelling with a long coat. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a dog person. I like dogs, but at the same time. Any animal is a hassle, you know. Um, you know, if you if you said to me I had to have an animal, it would be a dog before anything else. Um, but you know, now that I don't have an animal, it's like oh, that's great. No, no animals to have to deal with. Um, you know, I know they say that having a having a dog will make you live longer. I'm just like I don't know about that <laughs> because I'll tell you one thing. You know, dogs can stress you out just like anything else. Um, yeah. So, uh, especially when you've got four kids, and then just having a dog wanting more attention from you, can't imagine that. Here we got little kids. I, I suppose when they're older, it's not such a big deal. <sighs> but yeah, they, those air freshers, man, they were great for killing that kind of, just that dusty smell. And that's the smell that I smell when you go to, like, uh, Fun Spot. You know, Fun Spot's really cool with all its old games. But the, you know, and the building has potential. I mean, the building itself is in pretty decent shape. I mean, it's like a nice building for an arcade. But the biggest problem there, and I don't know how much money they get in, because obviously it's an old arcade, so it's probably don't get a ton of money. You gotta make your money in quarters, so I can't imagine that they make a ton of money, um, even though they're like the world's largest arcade. That means they got the world's largest arcade to take care of too. Um, but their carpeting, oh, we got some people slamming brakes out in front of me. The carpeting there is so, I mean, in the, in the arcade museum's portion, it's on the third floor. Um, like most of the arcade museum, it's got kind of like that, uh, it's got that black light carpeting, um, you know, with all the kind of fireworks and stuff going off, or whatever you want to call it, or the space, whatever, I forget ever whatever it is. But that's not in the best of shape either, but that's probably more recent. But the rest of the place has got this 
um, brown carpeting that's half worn to the worn right down to the floor um, and then it's just it's so trod on and it's not like the place is filthy um, but I don't I mean I don't know how old this carpeting is either they don't take care of it or um, or it's just that it's been there forever because it, it just has this it just has a dusty dusty smell when you go in there and so um, you know just imagine really old carpeting like going in some old apartment building and it's just really dusty and dirty you know and it's it's all dingy and stained and um, you know so it's that's like you know if you had like allergies I would not suggest that you <laughs> you know make sure you take a lot of medi- or, uh, a lot of um, allergy medicine before you go to fun spot because if you're if you're gonna have a uh, reaction to dust that's the place you're gonna have it um, I mean, they keep the games pretty clean. They always wipe them off. Um, but, yeah, the floor. The floor is just... It just adds a smell to the whole place. You know, it's not like... It doesn't smell like, you know, urine or, or uh, old homeless guy or, or filthy dirtiness. It just smells like old, dusty, dusty, dust, dirt, dirty guy. Just, it just, it's just an unpleasant, you know, kind of non-fresh smell. The way I could, the way I could um, kind of give you a description of what it smells like. Go around vacuum your house, and then when you go to empty out the, if you got like one of those like Dysony ones or the ones that it's a filterless vacuum, and you know you open that thing up there, and you know that smell that kind of wafts up from from the dust. You know that's what it smells like in Fun Spot. It just smells like you're in this room of dust. And uh, yeah, I got a little bit of that going on in, in my office because it's old carpeting. You know, it's like. The carpeting's been there since the building was built, so it's like, what is it, like 19? I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's like over 10-year-old carpeting. So um, they come through and they vacuum and shampoo it, and then it, it's a little bit better for a while. But then after a while, you just kind of get that, particularly in the wintertime, you know, that road salt kind of coming in. And that's when it starts to kind of be um, more dusty smelling. In the summertime, it's not so bad. But, and when I say it's kind of dusty, it's really not that bad. I mean, it's nothing like Fun Spot or even my basement for that matter but it's just like oh, have a little something in there to kind of kill that smell would be good so I picked up one for the office and see how that goes um, it might just be too much for me because you know I'm, I'm a little sensitive to uh, kind of fake chemical smells too um, just depends I, I, I guess um, but yeah so those that, you know that works out pretty good it just my, it's so much better I feel so much better about my basement arcade I mean, it's not, it, it's still got the insulation up in the ceiling, and and it's still got, you know, unpainted walls, unpainted floors, but uh, it's definitely doing better. Um, and I had actually taken, I had some extra drywall, because I dried off, um, yeah, I don't even think anybody, I've mentioned this at all, but um, when my house was built, it actually, um, the stairwell going down, they put drywall on the inside of the stairwell, but they didn't put anything on the outside of the stairwell, so... You just see the you see the wall studs and drywall inside it, um, and so I I moved my wife's sewing machine down into the basement. Her she has like this really nice embroidery sewing machine. They can program with a computer and like do all whatever kind of design you want to do, and uh, so that was like not being used because there's no place to put it with the kids and stuff, and uh, so I made an area for her in the basement. And I want it to be nice, so I finished off the like this kind of corner area, like this, like because the stairs come down to L shape, and I finished off that kind of insert area 
um, where the, the stairs come down. I put a nice table there, but I also drywalled it and painted the walls and, and put in some nice lighting over top of it. And uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that turned out a lot. That turned out really nice, but I had some leftover drywall when I had done that. Because, um, you know, you, you get them in sheets of whatever it is, 4 by 8 or I think it's 4 by 8 sheets of uh, drywall. And uh, so I had two large pieces of drywall, and they just kind of been sitting around, you know, stuck there. And so I, I also had taken those and just screwed them to the wall um, behind my uh, Nintendo cabinets. Now it doesn't cover that whole wall area, but um, you know, I just kind of got them out of the way. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some more drywall. I'm gonna finish drywalling that whole uh, stairwell, the outside portion of it, the the opposite sides from where my wife's sewing machine is. Um, I think that'll make it look better too. Just where it, just where the drywall is, it's not, it doesn't have any kind of filler or anything. I mean, it doesn't have the, I didn't do the joints or anything like that. It's just a bunch of pieces just screwed to the wall. It looks a lot better just there versus having the, the studs exposed. So I'm gonna finish that wall up at some point, maybe this winter. Um, you know, it, it means I gotta bring drywall down to do that. Um, so I should probably get it sooner than later. You don't want to be doing that when it's freezing drywall and when it's freezing cold and snowing out. Um, but now it's, you know, I'm at that point where I'm not getting any more games. I mean, unless, you know, something really cool shows up and I want to trade for something or, you know, sell something and then get that cool thing. You know, like if I got like a, if I get a dedicated Universal type of Mr. Do, that would be really awesome. But um, other than that, you know, I'm not going to get anything else um, yeah, I can't I can't imagine you put any more games out there without getting rid of like my, my tools or, <laughs> or other things that are like important things to have so I'm still gonna do a lot of uh, eliminating of things that I don't need though there's a lot of little things I can get rid of and like uh, the hope is that I can get rid of some of the shelving that I have in the basement I've got these I mean they're nice shelves but um, you know, I just got these things I can probably, I, a lot of things I can get rid of that I don't need to consolidate some stuff down, make a little bit more room, um, just make it a little less cluttered, and it's not even cluttered there now, it's, it's, it's getting a lot better, so, yeah, so that's what I've got done, I mean, so hopefully this weekend I'm going to get working on the, uh, uh, the Donkey Kong's uh, high score save kit, um, I'm actually going to be uh, sending a money money order out to somebody so I can get a versus Castlevania set uh, uh, daughter board for my uh, my uh, my uh, red tent because right now it's got uh, it's got balloon fight in it. it's not even mine um, I, the other that on that I got wrecking crew for it and uh, messed up pinball roms um, so what I what I'm hoping to do is get the the versus Castlevania in there and then get versus pinball on the other side I think I'll be really happy with that. And then of course I'll have the I can always put versus wrecking crew on there to play two player, but um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, the the versus balloon fight is kind of fun, but it's not that fun of a game. Um, it's like playing joust. You know, I, I'm not a huge joust fan. I, it doesn't. I don't know. This is that like I said before, that lack of control. All right, guys, I'm not quite to work yet, but I'm gonna stop now. Um, we're go to the afternoon portion of the podcast in a few minutes, because I don't really have anything more to talk about right now, um, I'm sure I will this afternoon, uh, I don't want to get started on something longer, I can talk about some longer things, but 
I wouldn't be able to finish it. So I'm going to end it here, and I'll talk to you in a little bit. Okay, I'm back. It's the afternoon. Um, day went by pretty quickly. Oh, pretty tired, though. Oh, so for, I went out to my lunch to mail a few things out, and on my way back, I was going to grab something for lunch because I didn't um, bring my lunch with me today. And uh, while I was doing that, I decided I was going to go to Wendy's and get like a uh, baked potato, something, you know, light, you know, not a ton of calories, but just something to make, make it through the day. And uh, I pull in the drive-in, and I see it, just gigantic photo of it, beautiful looking. It was the uh, Wendy's Bacon Portobello Cheddar Melt. And uh, my goodness, that burger looked good. And so, oh, I wait for it. I got the burger and uh, got back to the office and went to eat that. And that easily, that burger is awesome. And I'm not a person to get all worked up about a Wendy's hamburger. I mean, the Wendy's hamburgers are pretty good. You know, um, I was a big fan a few years back of their uh, um, jalapeno melt. Um, matter of fact, I think that burger came out. That was my daughter was, I think I got the first time I knew my daughter or my first son was born. And we're talking, you know, somewhere between the around eight and six years ago. So that burger's pretty old now. Um, so, and that wasn't nearly as good as this burger. Um, and I'm actually a fan of the Wendy's, not Wendy's, uh, Friendly's uh, grilled cheese melt, which is essentially a burger between two uh, grilled cheese sandwiches, but that's got tons of calories. I've only had that maybe twice, maybe three times total. Um, yeah, that was, you know, that was a really good burger. I'm just a big fan of Wendy's grilled cheese sandwiches in the first place. Um, actually, I could have just probably, I really could just eat two Wendy's grilled cheese sandwiches and skip the burger patty in between. Because their burgers, the actual patty is not that fantastic at a Wendy's. I mean, they're good. But, uh, yeah, this was awesome. I mean, the mushrooms, the, the I mean, it wasn't like a whole you know, solid portobello in there that was like this, like a, almost like a burger patty. Um, this was like chopped up, um, you know, large pieces of portobello and the bacon was actually really good. And it was not like bacon that I'm a big, you know, it wasn't my favorite style of bacon, but in this sandwich it was actually really good. Um, you know, I like bacon that's been like cooked till it's like crispy, but not so that it's burnt, but just crispy. Um, so it's not like this, not that kind of wet, fatty bacon. I like it to be, you know, like I said, crispy, almost like a pork rind um, kind of consistency, but not so far it's like that far, but I think you get the idea of what I'm saying. And uh, the Wendy's is kind of a little more, it's more meaty, the bacon in there, but boy, it really worked well. The, the cheddar, the uh, portobello, the burger, the whole thing together was just really good. And it was nice too because you're not getting like, you're not getting, uh, maybe there's tomato in it. I can't remember what else was in it. I don't think there was any lettuce in it. Um, you know, I think a lot of times lettuce ruins a burger. I really do. You know, unless it's like, you got some nice big romaine leaf lettuce in there and it's fresh. That's good. But just to, you know, throw in some chopped up lettuce, you know, whatever garbage in there and it's kind of all bleh. Anyway, this burger was awesome. Oh, it was really good and I didn't feel afterwards like bleh. It was just, it was just a good, satisfying burger. And, uh, you know, if I, you know, be something that I liked it, but I don't think I'd have it over and over again. I mean, I'd love to have that frequently. It tastes great, but yeah, so that was good. That was actually really good. So, um, you know, if you're in Wendy's, um, 
you know, give it give it a try because actually I thought it was pretty good. I'm not trying to make a commercial for Wendy's here, but you know, I do I do like Wendy's. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was good, and uh, it's funny because recently um, I bought my wife uh, um, went to Chili's and I got her a steak. I got myself the baby bath ribs, and they were just not good at all. They were just the steak was low quality meat. I mean, it was cooked okay, but it was just had been tenderized and seasoned and flavored, like you know, pre-injected with all these things prior to like it even getting to the cook. And uh, so it just kind of tasted like, um, like the beef tasted like something out of like a dinty more beef soup, which is not soup, beef stew, um, which is not bad when you're having dinty more beef stew. But when you spend twelve dollars for a steak or whatever it was, I think it was more along like fifteen dollars, is not what you're expecting to get. You know, it was, you know, it was all, it just was bad for what you're paying. And the uh, bait back ribs were just, they were dry. And, I mean, they're just dry, hard, like lacking of meat. They're just mostly bone. So I actually, um, I sent an email to uh, Chili's and I explained to them, you know, what I thought about the food, and and they sent me uh, gift certificates for like fifteen dollars or was it twenty dollars? I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was thirty dollars. They gave me three ten dollar gift gift certificates, which I suppose is about what I paid, maybe a little less. Um, kind of uh, wondering if uh, I would even uh, want to go back though because it really wasn't that great and uh, I mean I used to love chilies maybe I'll just go back and uh, <laughs> um, maybe I'll just go back and get some beer you know because <laughs> at least with that get get my food someplace else um, yeah because it wasn't it wasn't that great it's so sad because I used to really love chilies. It used to be good, but you know, it's the way it is. Restaurants come and go. Because it's all about turning a profit. You know, it's not about lasting around, staying around. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it like it's some kind of uh, socialist way. I'm saying it like as in a, you know, health of your company. I mean, you know, you, know, you gotta, you gotta. When you have a company, and uh, you don't want to just be about totally about profit because essentially that's the road of uh, ruin you know um, you go down that one road where all you're trying to do is just make the profit um, at some point you're just gonna you're gonna cut into everything and at some point you're just gonna die and you're not gonna care because you're like okay well I'll make my profit because I'll build the company up and then I'll sell it before it's you know the actual value of the company is seen by people so um, it's just kind of unethical but it's funny because the way companies are built these days, um, you know, it, it's driven that way. I mean, it's, it's just a natural evolution of a corporation um, without any kind of internal morals to it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, if this, if it were a, um, like a person, you know, a person's like not going to do, I mean, unless they're an immoral person, but for the most part, people aren't going to do something that's going to lead to their ruin, you know, unless they're either addicted to something or just immoral you know um, you know so you know if you're if it's a company and if I were to start a company I think maybe I even talked about this before but you know if you're gonna start a company up the first thing I do is you got to essentially make like um, almost like a constitution for the company you know saying that you know this 
the, the health of the company is priority over top of profits, you know, um, you know, increase in profits. You know, of course you want profit. You know, the company's supposed to be profitable, but to increase profits um, is uh, something you can't always do because at some point you can't, you're, you've reached your maximum, you know, profitability for a company. Um, you know, you can only sell so many widgets or so many hamburgers to people at, you know, at the price which they're still quality. And, you know, you can only have so many restaurants on, in, you know, in a city. So, at some point, you know, a CEO has got tremendous pressure on them to increase profits. Um, not just to, you know, continue profits at the level they're at. So, the only things they can do is expand, you know, enter into new markets, do new things, or to cut corners. And so what they're going to do, and I think a perfect example of this was the Ponderosa back in the uh, 80s. Because, you know, when I think back, I mean, you know, Ponderosa in the Northeast kind of came around in the very early, late 70s or early 80s. Uh, you know, it's an all you can eat, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet, but they had, like, steaks and stuff like that. And when they first came around, people thought it was actually pretty good. I remember the food being, I mean, I'm, granted, I was a young kid at the time, but the food wasn't bad. You go there... And you could get a steak, you could get the all-you-can-eat buffet, and the food was all kind of good. You know, it was like not bad food. And within a few years, Ponderosa expanded. They're like almost everywhere. And then the food, I think, I think the, you know, at some point you can only have so many restaurants and locations. And they said, well, how are we going to increase profit? Well, let's cut the food quality, you know, or let's buy the cheaper meat. Let's buy the cheaper vegetables, you know, for the thing, whatever the things are. Just do everything cheaper. And, you know, customers will tolerate that for a little while. You know, they're like, you know, your tongue, your tastes don't really, you're like, huh. You're not, you don't really recognize that, okay, the quality of the food has gone down. It's just like maybe your experience that time wasn't so great. You know, so then like, oh, I'll give it another chance. I'll go back. Maybe it was just a bad night, you know, or maybe, maybe I was just not feeling that great. Or maybe it just wasn't me. Maybe it was me, not them. So, you know, you'll go back a few times, but after, you know, one or two times of the food being not as good, um, you know, you're, unless you're just a total glutton and you just, like, you want the all-you-can-eat, you know, food trough, um, you're going to stop going. And, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of like what happens with a company after after time is that they, they just cut away and then they... Then people just stop going, and then well, what are you going to do now? How you increase your profits? Well, you wouldn't think of increasing your quality because now you've already damaged your reputation. So what are you going to do? You're going to close some of the locations, and by doing that, you've increased your profits in a way because you've sold off some of the assets, and it looks like you've created more profit. And so you essentially just uh, downsize until you can't do that anymore, and then you bail out. Um, so that's kind of what you know the whole corporate mentality was. I think I think it started to change a little bit in some way. I think people started to recognize that. But when you make a company, you gotta you gotta say, okay, you know, the board the board's responsibility over the CEO is not to put pressure on him to increase profits, but to maintain a respectable amount of profit profits based on the you know the health of the company something along that lines I you know I'm not a I'm not an expert on these kind of things but it seems to me that's what you would want to do so you know you 
let's say you have a company like Ponderosa and at first you know you're doing well and you expand and you expand into a lot of markets and so now you're at that point you say okay you know what we can't expand anymore we can't open another Ponderosa without cutting into ourselves um, so what are we going to do are we going to cut our food quality or are we going to continue at what we're at and you know live with that certain level of of you know quality and profits you know i'm just rambling here but i think that's what you need to do i mean it, you know it's and you know you can say okay well we're going to expand we're going to now offer you know maybe we'll have another kind of restaurant because you know um you don't want to cut into the business you have currently but maybe you offer a more upscale version or maybe you offer you make another restaurant that's kind of more fast food like or you don't do restaurant at all you do something completely different maybe you have your products sold in stores you know in the freezer section of course then you got to make sure that whatever you are selling is decent um you know like like tgi fridays and uh, what's the other one does that um i think chilies they both have if you go into the into your grocery store you can buy some of their items um frozen um of course you know uh, I don't know if that's good or not, but you know what I'm saying. Something a little bit different. Doing something different, different ways of profit off your business. Maybe sell other items in your restaurants. You know, Cracker Barrel does that. Cracker Barrel sells um, souvenirs and other kinds of things in their stores, and their food is kind of stayed at the same level. You know, it's not. They they haven't really gotten bad. You know, it's it's always kind of stayed. You know, it's not like the most fantastic food you're ever going to have, but they seem to have that thing going on there. I mean, they could still expand. There's not a very many Cracker Barrels out there. So, um, you know, so there's definitely room. Now, there's other places like Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, and they can expand and expand and expand almost to no end. Um, so they don't have to really cut the corners, although they still do. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts, back when I was a kid, is nothing like the Dunkin' Donuts now. It was awesome. I mean, they had so many different kinds of donuts you can get. The guy actually lived in the one near me. The guy actually lived. He was a boarder inside the restaurant. I mean, inside what do you call restaurant? The coffee, you know, inside the Dunkin' Donuts. He lived there, um, and you could go there 24 hours. They're making donuts. They're always making donuts. You know, it's just like the commercial. You know, the guy. Time to make the donuts. You know that guy. Um, you know that was. It's nothing like that now. I mean, now it's just like you, they're made in a factory. It's not even different than going to the grocery store and buying some Fryhoffers or Entenmann's, you know, depending where you live, just some box of donuts, you know, uh, they don't taste any different because that's essentially what they are. They're just donuts made in a factory. Um, they're not fresh. They're, they're at least half a day old when you get them. I mean, definitely fresher than what you get at the store, but the ones in the store have got, you know, they've been made in a, fa a fat manner so that they stay fresher tasting versus the ones, you know, like if you get something at Dunkin' Donuts, they don't have any kind of... Um, say preservatives in them, but they're just made in a way that they taste they they don't go dry and hard within it within a day <laughs> yeah so that's food that's the food section of the podcast you know that makes me think um you know were there were there foods that you would eat when you played your video games um you know i remember you know sitting down and uh back in the uh late 80s early 90s we'd my friends we'd watch uh, uh, Miami Dolphins games um, 
funny because we're in New York, and I'm a big proponent of whatever state you're in, you should support that team. And I wasn't an anti-New uh, York uh, guy. I mean, I, I like the Giants and the Jets, but um, funny thing was, is I wasn't a big Buffalo Bills fan. And so whenever I watch Miami play Buffalo, I always wanted Miami to win. <laughs> this is because Buffalo kind of sucked, but um. I don't, I'm not a big Buffalo fan anyways. I got some friends who are from Buffalo, but um, every I've been to Buffalo twice in my life, and both times I'm just like, man, this place, it's so big. You can never finish driving through it. It just looks like, it's just that dismal city look to it. Um, you know, I, I live near Albany, New York, which is, you can't really get much smaller of a city. Um, I mean, so I, you, you can, but... You know what you think of as a, as a city. Albany is kind of that. It's got the uh, it's got everything that you would see in a city, but it's all small. And the funny thing is, is there's kind of like a slang term for Albany that people talk about in the area. They call it Smallbany. I, I never heard that until recently. Um, but uh, you know, Albany's kind of a it's kind of a cool city. I mean, it's not the best place to be. And you've got three other cities like within proximity of it. You've got Albany. Schenectady and Troy, which are like the, the main, like make up the capital district of New York State. Um, and then to the north, you've got like Saratoga, which is, uh, which is like the, uh, I don't want to say fancy area, but it's, it's definitely a higher class area. It's got some of the high end restaurants, clothing stores, things like that. Not to say Albany doesn't have those, but it's different. Um, you get people from all over the country coming to go to Saratoga. Um, you know, for the, the track and just the the social life there. Whereas Albany, you don't get that. It's, you know, it's different. Um, yeah, so I was talking about food and gaming. So, yeah, so when we would watch, we watch uh, um, football games, We a lot of times we'd have like a big bowl of Cheetos and a stick of pepperoni. And you just eat the sticker of pepperoni and eat Cheetos. We'd eat Cheetos with a spoon drink Mountain Dew. That was like the classic uh, teenager thing to do. Um, not like it, but it wasn't like the back of the day where you're like, it wasn't like this cool thing to do. It was just like, like Mountain Dew, you like Cheetos and you like pepperoni. So you just got to buy those things and just eat them like a maniac. Um, you know, and then when we got, then it was in college, it was kind of similar. Um, we'd eat, I, I get like, uh, get like chicken wings and, uh, even like like a like a little tube tub of uh, ice cream, you know, like a Ben and Jerry's or a um, Hagen Dazs, whatever they sold it on campus. And uh, it's funny because I'm not a big Ben and Jerry's fan. Um, I'm not a big hippie fan, to be honest with you. I mean, my, when I went to school, all the teachers were filthy, dirty hippies. <laughs> if they're listening, I doubt they're listening to this podcast. But they were, you know, these dirty hippies that. Um, they're just really annoying with their 60s mentality and all the things that they, they stood for. Um, you know, growing up in the 80s, it just was t- totally counter to everything that I believed in. And uh, so, you know, Ben and Jerry's just irritates me. They bother me, you know. Um, so, you know, the haagen that's more my kind of thing if I'm going to pick something. Matter of fact, you know those haagen um bars they're like a can they're like what do you call it? like an ice cream bar the, the chocolate and almonds with the vanilla ice cream inside those those are crazy good um, so rich it's all the eggs inside the ice cream it's really what makes it so rich 
But uh, yeah, um, like that a lot. But you know, I think about it. You know, when you're playing games, I don't remember eating a lot of food. Um, the, the only thing I could think of that would, the only time I think about eating food while playing games, because most of the time you're just playing the game and you kind of have some food on the side somewhere, but not really. Um, but when I when I was in, I went to two different colleges. I went to uh, two different SUNYs. I went to one for two years, and then trans then transferred to a different one. And the um, in the summer, the one near my house, um, there was a there wasn't a lot going on in the town I lived in, and uh, so this one near the one SUNY there was a grocery store called uh, PNC, and uh, back then it was like we're talking the two years that I went there, it was uh, the summer of '94 and the summer of '95. I, I guess you could count '93 as well. Um, yeah, so summer '93, '94, and '95 as well. And because, uh, you know, you, summer before, after graduating from high school, I graduated in 93. So we'd hang out, you know, we'd go to Albany and stuff like that too. But sometimes just, you know, I'd be hanging out with my friend. It would be like 1 o'clock in the morning and we'd go to the grocery store because they're open 24 hours. And there was, uh, at different points in time, they had different arcade machines in the, uh, kind of like, not in the breezeway, but right when you first come in, they had some arcade machines. And the only, there'd be two people working there at night. There'd be the guy that'd be stocking the shelves, and there'd be the one girl at the register. And uh, man, I wish I could remember their names. <laughs> it's so funny. I should ask my friend if he remembers them. But um, yeah, they so they worked. They were like my. They were our age. They're you know uh, just out of high school, working uh, working the night shift. And uh, yeah, so it's so funny because I have just these vivid memories and the, the smells of things too, and the tastes of certain items. Um, yeah, so there was, uh, you know, they'd have like a Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, um, Virtual Fighter, uh, probably some kind of racing game. It was might have been Cruising USA at the time. I can't remember what they had exactly, but there was things that kind of changed out of there. But it was that it was that time period, the Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, um, NBA Jam time period, Virtual Fighter kind of thing. And uh, yeah, so we would be playing that, you know, late hours of night. And we get something to eat, so I would, I would usually get the, uh, um, uh, what was it? The, uh, I don't know if you guys have it, depending where you live in the country, but um, hell of a good is a cheese brand, and uh, I would get the cheddar cheese curds, essentially just curds of cheddar cheese, and uh, so they were kind of op- oddly shaped and they were soft, and they come in a bag, and you could just rip the bag open and eat them. It wasn't like a you know, a brick of cheese, so they're soft cheddar cheese, and they're delicious. So I get that. Um, what else would I get? Sometimes I'd get, like, some kind of chips. I don't re- remember in particular what chips I would get. And, uh, and, like, drinks. I would always get, like, the... Ar- I would almost always get the Arizona iced tea. Um, you know, like the uh, green tea one. Not the green tea, the, um, the blue bottle, which you hardly ever see it. It was a uh, ginseng and... Ginseng and black tea, I think it was. Um, and I really, that's like those, those, that cheese and that, that ginseng tea, man, those things, boom, they trigger those, those memories. Um, it's kind of funny because that grocery store is now gone. It's now, it's a, it's a true value hardware slash garden center. And, uh, you know, everything changes. It's funny. And, uh, but yeah, I've spent so much time there. It's so funny. Um, so much money. Um, 
but you know that's all th things change with life but that's that's the food i remember eating playing games um the other places around that time period we also go to a uh a bowling alley not bowling alley a, a billiard hall and they had mortal Kombat 2 in there that was kind of that wasn't like really close to the house that was kind of far away from where i was living at the time and you have to drive like 40 minutes to get there um you know other things like that um let's see what else it's funny because there's another grocery store in town we go there too but it did they didn't have as good a selection of games in there which was funny um oh and there was also a for a little while there's a pool hall in that town and we go there too and that's where i actually played star trek star trek next generation football quite a bit um one summer i swear i must have put 200 bucks into that game and uh you know now i've got it actually have the machine and that's that's really awesome to have that i mean i can't I can't believe I have this machine. It's just awesome. And uh, really, thanks go to go to Keith Abcary slash Nathan Barnett. I mean, which, which I refer to him as, you know, because he's got his character. But um, it's really Nathan Barnett. And uh, you know, he bought that Virtual Boy cabinet off of me. And you know, with the money from that, I was able to uh, um, buy that Star Trek. And uh, man, that thing, it's just so great to have it. You know, it really, it. It really kind of brought the whole arcade collection into focus for me because before I was just kind of randomly buying things. Now I just really know what I what I you know want and like, and I feel that kind of mostly sense of completion. You know, it's like that was the thing I really wanted all along. Um, These other things I wanted, but it's just that that's the thing that really is a is a the, it's the piece to the collection. <laughs> You know, I could have just that. Not that I want to give up everything else, but that that really does it for me. That's the that's the game that I can say that that's what I want to have, and that's what I have. Um, still got a lot of work on other things to do, but uh, yeah, man, I am totally rambling this afternoon. If you guys are still listening to me, I got to give you props for that. <laughs> if you are. Get sent me an email and tell me you're still listening this late. I can't imagine that anybody would, because I'm just totally rambling. Yes, I'm driving home. Car's in front of me. It's very folly out, kind of brisk. It's at that point where I don't know if I should turn the heat on in the car or not. Um, it's kind of it's nice because it's the cloud. It's cloudy and uh, dark. Um, I don't have the sun in my face. Oh, but I do have my super dark over the glasses glasses I can wear but they don't really cut it when the sun when, when it's sunny out um yeah um man totally it's just nothing really going on right now I mean it's just you know, it's one of those days it's a, today's Tuesday but it's a Monday um feel a little I mean like unsettled for a little bit you know not sure exactly what's going on um, feel, I guess what you say, aimless, uh, but perfectly fine. Um, nice, uh, it's funny because this fall doesn't, it's not one of those, I don't feel depressed this fall. Because, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, when I was like a little kid, it didn't, fall didn't bother me. And then when I was, when I hit about, I think you know, the most vivid memory I have of being depressed in the wintertime was, um, 
it was the year that Star Trek The Next Generation actually came out, which is funny that because that kind of comes up now after I've just talked about my pinball machine. But when I first, when Star Trek Next Generation first came out, you know, I live out in the country and literally got one TV channel in good, and that was CBS. Um, then if you rotated the antenna, I could get in the, you know, it was like the Albany CBS. And if I rotated the antenna a little bit, you kind of get it so that you got CBS good, and then you got ABC, you know, okay, a little tiny bit of graininess to the, to the image, and uh, Channel 13, which was the NBC, um, slightly, slightly worse than the, than the ABC. So you essentially got three channels. And if I wanted to get NBC better, I could rotate it so that it pointed towards Utica, and I could get NBC in pretty good. Um, this is with a big honking antenna. This is the antenna that's like almost as big as a car that we had. Um, it's funny because a few years later, when I was a high when I was in high school, when I graduated from high school, and I was working at Radio Shack, sometimes I actually bought a really nice. Um, ra I mean, it was a Radio Shack antenna we had originally, but um, I bought a much nicer one, um, which was just supposed to pick up UHF better, <laughs> but it still didn't work very good. So like, I could get really get you know ABC, NBC, CBS, and you know, Fox was on UHF, was on a Channel 23, and there's PBS as well, <coughs> that was on 17, and, and those were, um, you know, the 17 came in pretty snowy, and the and the um, PB and the Fox came in really snowy. It was like um, it was mostly snow. You could hear the audio, kind of make out shapes, and uh, that's what Star Trek: Next Generation actually was on. It was on Fox, and. Uh, so to watch that, there's two options for watching it. It was either watch it really snowy, go to my friend's house to watch it, um, or go to my grandmother who had a satellite dish. And we're not talking like, you know, uh, uh, Dish Network or, or even remember Prime Star way back. We're talking about the big 8-inch dish with the actuator motor that would rotate the dish and be like yang, 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 and it would point at the different actual feed satellites and uh, <laughs> so you'd have to know it was so funny this is like you know the days before they even really scrambled much of the signals now back then Star Trek was not one that was scrambled because it was it was just a local feed for local stations that bought it you know that um, what you call that oh what they call syndicated TV shows and so they're not really concerned about um, scrambling that stuff. It wasn't like HBO or Cinemax. Um, so these were broadcast, you know, back in the early 80s, like 1984, nothing was scrambled. So you could watch anything on my grandmother's satellite dish, even adult television. <laughs> that was like the first thing that was scrambled. Um, but at this time, you could go, I could go to my grandmother's house and you'd watch it on like a Sunday. You know, the show would like air on like a Thursday, but the Sunday before, um, they would have, that's what it would be, uh, sent over feed, um, to the local affiliates that would play it. And so they would buy it and then they would, it would be sent, it would be beam, beamed over on the weekend and they would record it with their, you know, their tapes and get all the, the bumpers and the trailers with it. And so I'd go over there and watch it and you'd see like the 50, the 30 second intro, the 15 second intro, the, you know, the five, the 10 second intro, the five second intro, then just the straight up bumpers. And um, then you'd, you'd see the, you'd watch, you'd see the whole show, and at the end of the show, 
they would have the, uh, um, what you call it, uh, the, the preview for the next episode. And that's how I'd watch Star Trek. Um, but um, it was you didn't, it was kind of random how I went and how I would see it. And when I did watch it, like, um, you know, we had like, I'm trying to remember if we had one TV in the house at the time. We had a, we had a TV in our kitchen, which was a black and white. And then we had a TV in our living room. And uh, yeah, so I would watch it. You know, if no one else is watching anything, I would, you know, go in there and watch Star Trek Next Generation. Beyond, I forget what time would be on. Can't remember that, but um, be watching it static. And like, I remember my dad coming, like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "Watching Star Trek." My dad was totally not a Star Trek person. He'd be like, "Okay," <laughs> and he'd walk out of the room. Or sometimes they come in like, "Oh, well, let's watch something else." I'd be like, "Oh, crap!" And then watch something else. You know, and I missed the rest of the episode. You know, most of it was I could barely hear it anyways. So I'd be listening to it, watching it, kind of squinting my eyes, you know, to try to watch it. So it was much better watching my grandmother's. And so a lot of times I'd try to get over on like a Sunday afternoon and catch it. And uh, it's funny because I'd actually bring, at times I would bring my, um, bring the, the video camera, which was a 8mm Sony camera, and I'd plug it into the output on the um, satellite dish, and I would set it to record it and uh, you know, like record it and then like watch it at home later because um, I'd like just go over there set it up to record it and record it and come back and pick it up um, but yeah so that's but anyways to get back to the whole depression part thing I'm not depression like you want to kill yourself but um, you know just you know winter blues or what you call it cabin fever um, yeah so that first year Star Trek it was like 1987 and I just remember kind of like the build-up for Christmas, you know, as your kid, you get your Christmas presents, and it was like the, it was like the day after, maybe even the Christmas evening. Um, I remember I'm lying on the sofa, and I've got, I've got my Star Trek: The Next Generation encounter at Farpoint, uh, 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 what you call it, um, paperback novel I got for Christmas. And I'm reading that, and I'm just enthralled with it. And then I think I, I stopped reading it at some point, and I'm just kind of looking at the Christmas tree, and I'm just like, man, this sucks. Winter sucks. <laughs> it was really, it was just like, oh, Christmas is over. Now I just got winter, and it sucks. And I, I just, that's the point where I, I kind of like didn't like winter. And I really, you know, when I was, at that age, I had my dirt bike. I ride that in the summertime. Um, you know, and it was just like, that point, it was like, ugh, I hate winter. And then, it was like a few years later, actually, um, I had a friend who, uh, I actually ride my dirt, dirt bike in the wintertime, too. I was that crazy. And, uh, but I had a friend who, um, he, uh, he was joining ski club, and I think it was seventh grade. So, maybe it was that year, actually, because 1987, I would have been in seventh grade. Um. Yeah, I think it was seventh grade. So I was pretty... I, but this is before I, I... This might have been before... I mean, obviously, Ski Club hadn't started yet. It doesn't start... Back then, it would start until, until January. And um, so he's, he was, like, joining Ski Club. And I'm like, you're crazy. You're going to break your leg. Because, you know, when you watch TV as a kid, you know, people go skiing. They come back. And it was, like, the common sitcom thing. You know, Jack Tripper or um, Who's the Boss? Whatever show it might have been. You know, they go off to go skiing. And it was, like... You're like we're gonna go skiing and then flash forward they're coming back from skiing and somebody's got a cast on and they're they're in crutches 
And so that's the first thing I was I would always think. You're like, you go ski, you're gonna break your leg. You know, like why are you doing? I mean, like I would ride off-road motorcycles as that at that age. You know, like a crazy person. And, and the thing I'm thinking, you're gonna go skiing, you're just gonna break your leg. I'm like, why would you want to go break your leg? That was like the first association in my head. Skiing equals broken leg. And and I'd never been skiing, you know, and I just like it's just like you know, my experience my experiences are, you know, sledding as a kid. You know, one time I went sledding and I smashed my head into a tree because I hit like a little bump in the snow and I had like a head where like a neck brace for like a month. And then my younger brother we were sledding and he broke his ankle um like nothing and so of course i'm thinking like you go skiing you're gonna break your leg and so anyway so he joined ski he was joined a ski club and he was a friend of mine and i was like you know i want to do what my friend's doing so i'm gonna join the ski club for for some unknown reason you know you know when you live out in the country you don't have a lot of things going on so you're like uh you know what am i gonna do winter time so i'm like i'll join the ski club so and i think my mother had said something you want to join the ski club i'm like okay so joined the ski club got my rental skis my first time out um it's funny because i didn't go i get up there and i didn't go skiing with him there's two guys in my class um tom and dewitt and dewitt's father was working as a lift attendant at the resort and uh tom was just kind of like this i would say crazy guy but he was crazy you know he's crazy fun guy you know like just whatever he's a friend of mine and we you know he's always kind of a little wacky with things I don't want to say wacky like a, like nuts, but just, you know, just didn't have the inhibitions other people had for some things. And uh, so I got my skis, and they had like a ski class, and we were at the bottom of the hill, and they kind of grabbed me like, hey, forget that. Let's go up the hill. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so they take, they take me, I get on the lift, and they ride, take me all the way up to the top of the hill. Now, this is not like a crazy, you know, k2 hill like out of like better off dead but it, you know it was a thousand vertical feet um resort um I actually worked there later on um but as a uh, you know in seventh grade they take me up to the top of the hill never skied before in my entire life um i don't even know if they show me i don't think they even show me the snow plot at the bottom of the hill and uh they get they get me at the top of the hill i don't know if they thought it was funny or what they thought but they just get me up there and they're like, let's go right down the center here. So we went, we went down the head wall of the hill, which is like the steepest. It's the it's a diamond trail. It's not a double diamond, um, but they took me down the diamond. This is nice ski, so the double diamond trails actually were lit at this resort. And uh, they take me down, and I'm watching them do the parallel skiing, and I'm just kind of mimicking them, and I'm doing okay. And at first, you know, it's like at like a well, not much of a grade, but it's pretty steep for someone who's never skied before. And uh, then it goes to the spot where it drops off pretty steep. And I, we stop at the top. And I'm looking down it. And I'm like, that looks pretty darn steep. And like, oh, don't worry about it. Just do what I do. And so the guy does, you know, he, my friend, he does like, they both do their parallel turning down the hill. And I, so I go to copy them. And I, I go down. I make the first turn. And then I go and make the second turn. And then I go and make a third turn. And I don't know what happens. I kind of lose the skis. And I'm like, on my back like sliding down on my back and I go slide all the way down to the mid midpoint of the hill where it kind of levels out again a little bit and that was my first experience skiing and uh and I got up and I skied down the rest of the hill because it wasn't nearly as steep as that part was and uh from then on that's how I learned I just I learned to parallel ski right from the beginning and uh really didn't have any fear 
um, doing it. Like, um, I don't know, obviously, when you go on some tough trail and you're on some tight area, you're going to be like, Ugh! you know, at some point, you know, always gonna, there's always like, something that can always get you going a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, that was my skiing experience. Um, and then years later, like when, my, when I graduated from high school, the first, that first winter after high school, so this is like December, actually I went up, I think it was like October of 93. I went up to the resort, same place that I, that I learned to ski. And uh, I was gonna buy a season pass. And I had saved up my money over the summer to buy it. It was like, I don't know, I think it was like two or $300 or something like that. And uh, <laughs> it gives you an idea of how things have changed. So, um, you know, it wasn't cheap back then. Two, 300 bucks is a lot of money, but you know, it's a season pass. So I go up there and I go to buy my season pass and the guy who's running the mountain says to me, hey, you know, um, you want to work here? And I'm like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, you want to be a ski instructor? And I'm like, uh, uh, what do I need? Do I need to know? I'm like, I just ski. I mean, at the time, I didn't really realize what he was, you know, like, okay. And he's like, what do, what do I do? And he said, well, come at this day. It was like December, someday in December. And uh, we'll refund your uh, lift ticket if you get in. Your, your season pass. And so I show up and, uh, you know, they kind of teach you how to be a ski instructor and uh, got my uh, money back from the season pass and I worked there that winter and I worked there for like quite a few years and uh, I taught skiing and I taught snow snowboarding I wouldn't say I was like the best skier or snowboarder I was a decent snowboarder skier um, but it was a really fun experience I really enjoyed that um, I don't know why I'm talking about this what brought this up but oh yeah that's when I started to actually enjoy winter um, really enjoyed it a lot um, because it's not like you you don't feel cooped up it's not like you're inside it may be dark out but um, maybe it was because of all the lights on the hill or something but I didn't feel like oh yes winter's starting you know like Ugh. you know that's like just like when's it gonna be over when is winter gonna be over and it's funny because like when I was doing that winter didn't seem you know just time period of just lost time living in this nebulous uh, time frame of just you know nothing going on because it's winter lots of fun you know it's fun uh, I think it was like the last year that I worked there it's like the year that I met my wife um, that things started to not be so much fun you know doing it um, I think the one thing I've learned in doing that is that um, you know something I, I really enjoyed skiing um, you know I before I even was an instructor it was like wow skiing's lots of fun and uh, doing that as a job if I were to impart that to anybody um, any wisdom I've learned from that um, is that doing something you love as a job can ruin the thing that you love because now it's become a job and uh, now you know granted it doesn't have to be that way um, but it really does, you know, like the thing that you take pleasure in can be, if, if it becomes a job, it becomes something you have to do and people are kind of miserable around you. Um, it can, it can become something that you don't like anymore. It can actually ruin, sour the thing that you really used to like. And I haven't really been, I mean, you know, two reasons. One, um, you know, I didn't like it. I lost, it lost what it, what used to be fun for me. Um, you know, and the other thing is my wife with her MS, she really doesn't have the sense of balance to ski or snowboard. Um, 
so it's pretty much impossible for her to go. Um, so it, it's just not... It's not something that I would... I'm not, I'm not really interested in doing anymore. Um, just like I used to ride dirt bikes. I don't really feel the uh, urge to ride a dirt bike anymore. It was something I did as a kid, and I really enjoyed it. Just like... I guess it's like, you know, like I was talking about before about toys. You know, I really loved playing with Legos as a kid. But now, if you gave me some Legos, I'm like, oh, I don't really care for this at all. You know, <laughs> that's something for kids to do. And it's funny because that was something that I... For the longest time, I could... You know, as a... Even in my 20s, I could still find pleasure in playing with Legos, but now as an adult, you know, like, 20s as an adult, I mean, you're, when you're 20, you should be an adult, but I think, you know, being almost 40 years old, Legos do nothing for me, they really don't, um, uh, you know, it, and even, you know, playing video games really don't do what they used to do for me, it's like, it's like I play it because it's something I used to do, there's a few games, I mean, like, playing Star Trek is fun, um, you know, but Star Trek Pinball is great, um, but there's some video games that are just like, eh, you know, play it, I don't loathe it or hate it, but it, it's not, it doesn't, I don't get as much pleasure out of it, what I do get pleasure out of is actually working on the games, crazily enough, you know, doing the soldering, fixing things, and I do like to play them a little bit, you know, and that's the nice thing about arcade game, is you can just play it for a few minutes and then stop playing it, you don't feel that pressure to complete, you know, Legend of Zelda, the Ocar not <laughs> Legend of Zelda, Majora's, <laughs> I can't even think of it, um, you know, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, um, Skyward Sword, uh, those, I mean, it's just, there's just so much going on in the game, it feels like a chore to do it, um, and, and when you've already done games so similar to them, um, you know, getting the pleasure out of a game is just, it's, it's gotta be different, I mean, I mean, I definitely would like to play Planet Side again, the Planet Side 2. I wonder if it would be as much fun as it was back in, back when I was playing. That was like, you know, early 2000s. Um, you know, that long ago, I still really liked games. I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed where those things don't have as importance to me. I think it's children. I really do. I think children kind of um, take away, you lose that... Uh, desire. It's not like you lose all desire in life, but it definitely changes things. Things change. You, you just don't have the same priorities you used to have. Um, you, know, you know, you want to make your house nice. You want to make your kids happy, your wife happy. All right, guys, I'm home. It's the end of this really long rambling podcast that might depress you or not. But um, yeah, so winters are back to me being something that I, I'm not really a fan of. But, you know, I hold myself up and I find some projects to do and I can make through winter. But it's that, it's that March, April time that really is really hard to get through. I can kind of make it through February. Um, you know, you got Valentine's Day. That's kind of fun. Things like that. But, yeah, March, April. Bleh. May is the rebirth time. All right, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.